Is the Bay Area marketplace crashing? Are homes not selling? What should you be doing from a buyer, seller, or investor's perspective right now? You don't want to miss out on this latest market update. Let's go take a look at the latest market updates. And what I'm going to do is every month in the beginning of this weekly show, I'm going to go over the monthly updates so that you can see exactly how, how are things, how are things trending, and if it may be impacting yourself. Of course, if you want to have a private dialogue about your situation, about what the game plan should be, and my forecast, feel free to reach out anytime as my contact details are below. 408-547-4590. But let's take a look at the data of the week or the data, sorry, of the month. So we take a look at Santa Clara County, single family condos, townhomes, residential, sales price, medium. We're going to see some of these figures here. So you can see prices have actually declined quite a bit from the highs of April and May. From an April and May, April was the highest time and least of this period of those segments combined at $1.61 million. And you can see as, as we wrapped up July, it dropped by to $1.449. That is the equivalent of a difference of about 10%. Hundred sixty-one thousand, yeah, really equivalent of exactly ten percent. So home prices have actually declined by ten percent already for the sales of median prices, which uh, is actually fairly interesting. In my opinion, actually things are much worse than this because right now only the good homes are actually transacting. And why do I say this? Take a look at the number of homes that are actually transacting. Uh, sales volume. Let's take a look at this together, right? The volume of July of 2022 is significantly less than in June and May, which is normal of seasons at 983. But if I take a look at the past three years, you can see the general overall trend, right? 983 from 1796, 2020, 1468, and even pre-COVID was is, is about a good amount less, so 20%, 30% less than that. So the transaction volume is actually down a lot more. So what does that mean? It means combination. The buyer demand is much less. At the same time, it's really only those nice properties that are selling. That's why you do see the days on market continue to increase. So take a look at this. The days to sell for the median is right now 14 days, which is higher than, as you can see, with for quite some quite some time. right? You can see really the, the last time we had these kind of high numbers was in the winter time frames of July 2019 of 2019 to 2020 uh, or as it was three years ago. So it is more normalizing for the days to sell. Now, the other question people will ultimately ask now is also uh, how many new homes are actually coming on the market now? So take a look at this because this is a good an interesting stat. 1580 homes came on the market in July. Now, this is much less than the previous two Julys. Right, significantly less, 25% less than in 2021. In 2020, it's even less than that. And now it's similar to what it was pre-COVID. So some really interesting stats, right? Because at the same time, buyer demand is, is less. Sellers actually listing it is less. And so we're seeing a little bit less homes that come on the market. And uh, we see, you know, buyer demand kind of slow down too in terms of how aggressive they are. And we're seeing 
price reductions happening across the board. But let's see, are all markets in the Bay Area uh, experiencing the same kind of impact? This was Santa Clara County. So you can see the trends there. Let's take a look at San Mateo County. So you can see if there's been any impact there. You can see April was very similar to them. Right, that was the highest point, 1.775 million. July now is 1.5. That's a 250, $275,000 difference. So that's more than 10%, as you can see. Uh, take a look at the next numbers. Let's look at uh, Alameda County. Let's look at Alameda County, home to the East Bay. Let's look at prices. May was actually the highest point at 1255, and then it's dropped to 1135. So that's a 90,000 drop. So it's a little bit less than 10%. So that'd be like 8% or so. Let's take a look at some other, other places, maybe San Francisco. Take a look at San Francisco. What's been going on in San Francisco? San Francisco, as you can see, has been relatively flatter. It didn't have as much of the increase as you can see versus others, but a little bit flatter. Highest point was April 2022, 1.61 million. Now it's at 1475. That's 140,000 gap. So also less than 10%, about 8%. And let's look at the last place. Let's take a look at um, Contra Costa County. What's going on in Contra Costa County? Contra Costa County, you can see same everywhere. As you can see, same highest point was April 2022, 905,000. And it declined to 849. So that's a... Uh, 60 something thousand so this is actually out of all those areas that we brought up this said decrease decreased the least right this is about seven eight percent so this actually decreased the, the least so san mateo county had decreased the most and contra costa had decreased the least so some just really interesting stats let's just take a look at this out of curiosity days to sell the median you can see it's similar to the others it's just uh 13 days for the days to sell on medium so that's kind of gives you a little bit of an idea about what is actually happening with the actual Bay Area market up, uh, statistics in the data. Home prices have actually declined quite a bit. And the other thing that people aren't familiar with is we all heard about mortgage rates. Sorry, the Fed fund rates actually increasing. But if you look at this, it was all baked in already. So you can see actually interest rates have actually declined quite a bit. So a lot of people think just because the Fed fund rate has increased means that all of a sudden mortgage rates will increase, but that's not the case. June 23 was uh, the highest point at 5.81%. You can see what it is now. It's already declined less than 5% and it's trending favorable. So a lot of people that have not been act actively tracking the market, you know, really each week, each month is now going to be able to see this, that there's a lot of positive catalysts for a lot of the buyers out there, right? You have Price is declining pretty quickly, but you see actually some mortgage relief, right? You see mortgages actually drop already. So I do see, and my prediction right now is I do see probably a, a decent amount of activity will likely take place again uh, on the buyer side, I would say September. And the reason for that is several. A lot of people are going to be traveling and back from vacation. How many of you guys have went to Europe this summer? How many of you guys know somebody? That's going to Europe this summer. Leave it in the comments below if you know of anyone that's that's going to Europe or is in Europe as we speak. Especially, you should be leveraging the Euro parity, Euro the U.S. dollar parity, which is crazy. 
Uh, imagine all the dining you can do. Imagine all the wine you can drink. Imagine all the luxury goods you can buy at this kind of valuation. That is uh, phenomenal. So a lot of people are traveling to Europe, especially, especially because of um, they haven't been able to do that last year, right? Last year, if you think about it, a lot of people were just traveling when it came to uh, domestic travel because international was not open up, but international is opened up now. So we're going to see, a, we have seen a lot of that and we'll like to continue to see a lot of that moving forward. So that is the market update of the week. Let's talk about jobs. It's all, it's all about a lot of it. A lot of things about potential foreclosures and short sales is all about jobs, right? That's what it fundamentally breaks down to. If people are losing their jobs in masses, then we have problems. But as you can see, this was a very big pickup. There's no ifs about it. Payrolls increased 528,000 in July, way better than expected. And a sign for strength for jobs market. Unemployment rate was 3.5%. Now it's at, uh, sorry, it is 3.5% now, but it was 3.6 before. Wages have increased for, from quite a bit. 5.2% from a year ago, higher than estimates. So really, really positive news on this end, right? And so while we see tech companies doing layoffs, and you sign it all the time. I mean, in my LinkedIn feed, all these people uh, looking for to find new, new employment, other job cuts. At the same time, like they don't, they're not going to report and share this a whole lot because it's just so broad. And quite frankly, it's a positive news because all we hear now these days is just negative news. So it's a very interesting thing of how the media always kind of portrays it. But in general, really, really good jobs number, much better than expected. As you can see, double, almost double what was expected. Um, so incredible numbers from this side. Other news of the week, FTC slaps Open Door with $62 million fine for misleading sellers. So if you don't know what Open Door is, Open Door is a iBuyer. And what is an iBuyer? So an iBuyer, just so you know, is a entity or a company that will reach out to you direct because they're going to say, it's good. we're going to make your life easier. We're going to give you a very fair price and we're going to do better than if you just went with a traditional agent or an agent like myself. So that is their value proposition. That's how they keep doing their marketing. Now, we've all seen what a lot of cases, what happened with iBuyers, especially with Zillow's case, been a massive loss, $800 million loss to be fair. Never mind what happened with their stock valuation, which has completely tanked because of that incident. So that was an absolute disaster. So never trust their Zillow estimate. If they trust, if they if they had any confidence in their Zillow estimate, they would not have had this kind of result. But either way, with the iBuyer, look what look what they said. Look what they said here. So they had all these. So why did they get fined, right? If they were providing all this value add, why did they get fined? They got fined because they misled consumers by saying they could make more money selling homes to the company than via the traditional route. Take a look at this. They, yes, of course, you're going to say they strongly disagree, but they, it was deceptive claims in his advertising. Now, the fine, meanwhile, is expected to be used to pay back consumers duped by the company. But there's been a big class action lawsuit, which is people uh, saying that they got this notion that they were going to be able to make more money than this selling direct. Because that's the thing about Open Door and these iBuyers. Think about their business model. Think about if you are a, like a house flipper or you're an investor. 
You're going to be buying it for as low as you possibly can buy it. That's the whole game of this. Expect they're doing it in mass volume. Well, if you were trying to get the highest price for your home, would it be better to shop it just to one person? Or is it better to shop it across multiple buyers? Right? If you're going to sell a company or you're going to sell a product, you want it to be as visible as, as, as you can to as many people as possible. How can you honestly tell yourself this, that you're going to get the best price and the best exposure and the best opportunities if you're just going to sell it to direct? So it makes sense for those that are in distress or they have some challenges, but it doesn't make much sense to be able to confidently say that you're getting the best for your money, for the best for your money by just selling to one party. Flippers do this all the time. This is why you got to be very careful doing a direct deal with someone that just does a mailer unless you're in distress and you just don't want to deal with it. And that's a completely different thing because then money doesn't matter. But if money isn't important to you and you don't have these issues of time or pressure or distress, then you usually you should be going the traditional route. Right. And so that's the big problem that they had to had to face here. And that's the big issue. Next, let's talk about the next thing. Price gap between renting and buying Bayer home reaches new high. This has continued to happen. Now, to be fair, a lot of these data points that you see uh, are old data points because these are usually tracking uh, things in the past. Right. So a lot of these data are tracking things from the past. So look at San Francisco. Now, they won't track San Francisco, which is interesting. But if there was all the whole Bay Area, maybe the numbers are somewhat similar. 56.5 X annual rent is the home price. The kind of question is if it's really that high, especially with how much people are paying for rent. And maybe a lot of this rent is because it has artificially low rent with all the rent control that we have. Because I don't, if you do the math, I don't think you're going to get these kind of high numbers. So the Bay Area has this very strong dichotomy of like higher prices. And then because we have rent control, especially in San Francisco, that number tends to be kind of wonky. Let's just say that. Look at the U.S. The, the U.S. home price is about 20x annual rents. So historically, but let's just look at history, right? Just in general. This is one of the highest times we've had, hence why we've had challenges altogether. But you can see where it has historically been, right? It ranges from the, the best time that you could have bought, which is 30 times annual rent. And it's even throughout the years, it's been 30 to 40 something X. Now, why is this the case, right? So it's at the end of the day, why is this there's a discrepancy? A lot of investors use it. So imagine if you're in the market and you're looking for cash flowing properties, right? So that your, your, your investment thesis, you'd be buying in the Midwest. You'd be buying these cheaper markets. Why is their rent to purchase price so low? Because they just don't have the opportunity to be able to buy a house at their income levels, right? And uh, they just uh, don't want to do it for, for whatever their own reason is, or they don't have any money saved up. But for the Bay Area to be able to do this is several reasons. One, the income here is generally tremendously higher than a lot of areas. Keep that in mind, especially of all you clients and all of my clients here working in tech. People have done very well, even today. People don't want to talk about it, but even today, it's done, done phenomenally well. So there's that aspect. The other aspect is, quite frankly, we don't have much housing, especially in good areas. We have plenty of building and construction on the outskirts of the area, the Bay Area. Look at Gilroy. 
look at Lathrop, look at Tracy, look at uh, many parts along the corridor of the Bay Area and Sacramento, like the Vacaville area, infinite land there. So infinite opportunities to build and do construction. So, but the core Bay Area is very limited, right? It's extremely limited in terms of options. And it's also very difficult to build more. Like you can't, like where else are you going to build? It's not even just a regulation thing. It's just a pure land element of it. So those are just like material factors of creating this supply crunch. And as there's been still a lot of push for the remote of the return to office, we're just seeing the value of being at a close proximity to right where you're going to work or where you, you may potentially work in the future. So the idea is that, right? So you have all these constraints of high income, low amount of homes they can even buy and, uh, and just not many new options coming on the market. And to be fair, most of the new options coming on the market are going to be usually either townhomes and mostly condos. So you see this and you see this divide. So it's also important just to understand now, yes, it's going to go up and down, just like we have already just seen of the market update. Prices already declined 10%. If you look at the May figures, they've already dropped by 10%. So this ratio is actually significantly worse already than what's being reported because rent has also increased. So prices have declined, rent has increased. So this ratio is actually nowhere near as bad as it may seem because this was pulled from some of the highest that has ever been pulled. But that being said, it still continues to be a case and will always continue to be the case, right? There's very few situations where it can be this low and this low is because of a real estate recession, real estate caused bubble. And so generally, as you can see, you're probably gonna go in between these ranges. It's not unpredictable, right? The I say mid thirties, uh, mid thirties is is plus is kind of the, the expected range. So that's something you can kind of track. So if you want to do in, internal analysis of like when it comes to that, keep in mind that's a, a some of the best most opportune times to buy. But you also want to track it just locally. Every every area, San Jose, Palo Alto, Palo Alto will be actually way worse than this. Um, San Francisco, East Bay will all have its own math. So keep that in mind as you decide when is the right time for yourself to make a move. Next, California exodus continues with LA, San Francisco leading the way. Question is, why are we here? So this has always been the case, right? People complain, homelessness, crime, high cost of living, job flexibility, right? Those are always the, uh, those are always the uh, messaging that you're gonna always see, right? I just went to many real estate conferences this last week we have people pitching all the time. People are moving to Florida in droves, moving to Texas in droves. Why, should, why are you living in California? Why do you want to have this valuable home that, that has done very well? Why don't you trade that into these cheaper areas, lower tax, et cetera, et cetera? And it's a very fair question. And we have seen that migration domestically continue to happen over the last several decades. Now, why do you see a population decline now that it wasn't there before? The population decline is because the immigration amount is less, significantly less. Now, if that doesn't change, we do have hurdles and problems to come, and we will have less population. We will have less potentially buyer demand. Uh, we'll have all those things that will continue to impact here in the Bay Area. But domestically, people also have to ask that question themselves, and it is up to them. Now, they don't ever mention any of the positives, right? Like imagine moving to... Texas and Florida, what is what is the people like there? What is the weather like there, right? How are how is that going to impact you? What are your cuisine options there? 
What are your growth opportunities as you as an individual, as a, as a person starting out, as a mid-level manager, as an exec? What are your options? So everybody has to figure that out. For many of my clients and many of my friends and my, me myself, I feel like at the end of the day, biotech and tech are going to be a huge player now, still, and in the future. So if that is my thesis and my bet, then from a job and career opportunity, I'd rather be where all the action is generally at, at the density side of things. So that's uh, that's a personal decision, and that's a personal decision for myself and many other people that are still in the area. And there's many people evidently still in the area. So those are all the factors, right, that individuals have to decide for themselves. If they're trying to maybe retire or go to different areas, then it makes sense. So that's the kind of the notion that has been happening over the last couple of years of people having that decision themselves of what they should do. And to be fair, if you're going to leave, obviously I'd love to help because you're going to sell your house for very well. And you may be the buy two or three times as many houses, depending on where you travel to. Next, why in the world is it so hard to build homes here? Not only will you have regulations and not only will you have zoning issues, not only will you have costs, and UC Berkeley, you will have lots of people storm this place so that you are not able to, to, um, to build anything. That is absolutely wild, right? I mean, the Ber I mean that Berkeley area is, is the, the cool part is like Berkeley is such a cool spot when it comes to just the lifestyle, the environment there, right? It's just such a unique place. I always like going there. I always like visiting there. It's such a cool spot. But the reality is they have a massive shortage of like housing, not just to to cover the Bay Area, but just even within their own UC system. Has the lowest percentage of beds for a student body of any campus in UC system. Survey found that 10% of respondents are have, as having experienced homelessness at some point while attending the school. This complex is only going to build, be building 125 units, right? Uh, so it's just so, so wild. Now, I... You know, totally get out to try to protect the uh, the park itself and the environment, and that's the that's been the issue with California. It's like, where is the balance of yes, we're protecting things and there's environmental things, but conversely, where are you gonna, where are you all going to live, right? Like, where are people going to live if there's no one, no one going to be building anything? We've seen this play out of like what's been going on with like general housing across the country, right? We see this. Look at what's Look at what's been going on with Texas and Florida. Why have they done much better for a lot of things? Instead of them doing zoning and being this kind of environmental side of things, they're really on gun-ho, really, of, of building homes. And so if you're really trying to be an environmentalist, you should be protesting over there because they're the ones that are building in droves, right? I mean, they're building tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of homes, while here we can barely build anything. So it's kind of, it doesn't make any sense. If you want to really make your voice heard, go to those areas that are building like crazy and do what you're doing there. Because in the Bay Area or these areas, we need more housing. Like we need some, you know, efforts here to be able to support at least some more, in this case, it's affordable housing. That's the more wild part. Like all these people are stopping in and they're trying to just build some affordable housing. So some of it is like very extreme, right? And, and it's, you know, everybody has their own political stance. Everybody has their own, like what's important to them. But it's uh, with this, it's like very, very wild. It's evidently very wild. Um, it's extremely wild, right? To to uh, to see these kind of things. 
uh, take place in an area where there's just not much housing and they haven't built anything for a long, long time. Next, some other news. Big Fremont Building is grabbed amid a hot market for life sciences. East Coast investors scoops up Fremont Building. So once again, another example, right? Almost every week we are seeing, um, almost every week we are seeing like some sort of acquisition. And I'm, I'm just pulling this every week. Like, these are articles straight up like every week, August 1st, right? Like this continues to happen. And I'm, I'm mentioning this over and over because it's very important to kind of see this trend. You're going to see more jobs that are going to continue to come in because once these are built, they're not going to be remote work for these kind of jobs, right? So it's going to be really cool and really helpful to see this biotech arena continue to expand and develop. And there's a lot of opportunities ahead of ourselves. So it's the, it's, as you can see, one of the strongest in the country, uh, and now they have expanded out even in the in the Fremont area. So the difference of these uh, life science space is not they may they are still focused in the peninsula. So if they can do it as much possible there, um, that's going to be their prime target. But you can see like there's a lot of industrial space in this part of Fremont. So they're going to convert a lot of this space, especially those old office buildings. Those office buildings are not not really in use like nobody really wants to uh lease that kind of space only really uh class a offices are being used so hopefully we continue to see these transitions being used uh by the right uh actual need and and that's basically life sciences the next thing i want to i want to bring up and this is uh i mean it's not never good news on one end but it's kind of interesting when it actually happens to them right when it when it's very rich individuals and now they say oh we should stop this crime prominent san francisco real estate ceo is mugged by two gunmen outside his 15 million dollar home in san francisco and slams mayor and other officials unacceptable levels of violence our city may be so far down the path they may never recover so what's been going on this individual who has a net worth of over 200 something million dollars and Pacific Heights, a very nice place, got robbed at gunpoint, got his paddock, bleep, watch stolen. And now, well, I don't know what the range of that is, but generally paddocks will probably be like 30,000 plus at the very least, even if that was uh, that was the cheapest of it. And so, um, yeah, so just like, obviously, this is not good news. This is not, I mean, nobody likes these things, but the fact is like, this has been going on for way too long. And it's very frustrating when it, we have to wait until like a CEO of this company or a politician actually gets this impact for themselves to then speak up about it, right? Like it's ridiculous. So it's a very sad on one end that this happens, but hopefully there's some catalyst. Uh, yeah, hopefully there's some catalyst that's, this can get things moving because if one once now an exec has this happen to them, hopefully the politicians, because a lot of their money comes from these people that they do something about it, but it's a very bizarre situation. Uh, let's see how things play out. But the fact that even in a, in a, in a really expensive area, very premium area in San Francisco has this happened to a CEO is very sad. Let's see. And politicians take action of it. Right. We want to see we want to see all these streets cleaned up. Most people in San Francisco will love it where homelessness is less. And never mind that. Just the crime, at least fix the crime. Homelessness is a completely different thing. Crime you can prosecute. 
You can make an example so they don't do this again. Do this ridiculous things. So it's your choice, City of San Francisco. It's absolutely your choice. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this weekly market update. I'll see you the next one. Bye now.